Don't let them pull the wool over your eyes. And they bring in this rookie, Chris Olave. Get your sports news straight from the go. Touchdown, Chris Olave. 103.3 The Go. Yeah, just pain. It was pain everywhere. Great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Great Scott Show, 103.3 The Goat on a Monday. Here we are in October. The month on the calendar year that I have told you guys for years is the best month of the year. From a sports standpoint. Oh, what about March? March Madness. Oh, what about January? What about this? What about that? It's October. You got the meat of the college football season. Just a right, just bite in the middle of that steak, burger, whatever. She's right there, just a thick of it. You got tons of great NFL. Tons. Five weeks of the NFL season. Five Sundays you have in October. You have Major League Baseball playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs. You've got the start of the NBA season. You've got all these things. So typically, on the first Monday show that I do that's the month of October, man, I am happy, I am giddy, I am ready to rock, I am good to go. But not this year. Nope. Nope. Not this year. Because I'm coming to you on a weekend where, not that you guys care, and well, a lot of you are Braves fans. You probably loved it. The Mets really Mets that up. They get swept by the Braves. They couldn't even win a game, win a single game, and then you're probably going to win the division. Nope. Now you don't get a buy. You get to go to the wild card, barring something insane, which I'm not expecting. But the Saints, oh, oh my God. They're a bad football team, y'all. I told y'all that last week. Told y'all that last week. Oh, the refs. Oh, the refs. Am I going to sit here and try to tell you that the last touchdown drive by the Vikings was not aided by the refs? No, of course not. It's hard enough to try to beat your opponent each week, and then you're just throwing trash flags all over the field and extending drives. Saints are the most penalized team in the NFL. Some of those, a good bit of those are on them. Some of those are bad calls. And, you know, a few on that bad drive 
led to a Vikings touchdown. I get it. But don't go, don't don't let that distract you from the fact that the Saints are not a good football team. Slow starts, undisciplined, don't protect the football and are consistently being outcoached. You want to look for moral victories, eh? Saints are turning the ball over this uh, this year at a high clip, something that they didn't do last year or the year before or the year before that or the year before that. You know, the previous five years, they had the second-to-best overall record in the NFL combined behind the Chiefs, and a big part of it was they were a well-coached, well-disciplined team that didn't turn the ball over a lot. Right now, they're 1-3, and three, and they are not disciplined, and they turn the ball over a lot. And I know there are a lot of other stories here, and I know we could talk about the quarterback, and I know we could talk about the referees and all this other stuff. But the double doink, the double doink, oh, my God. (sighs) I mean, shout out Will Lutz for nailing a 60-yarder. Where the Saints left the Vikings with entirely too much time on the clock, and then he gets set up for a 61-yarder. No one, no kicker in NFL history has made two 60-plus-yard field goals in the same game, and Lutz was that close. I mean, how does that thing not just bounce the other way in? I'm sure the fans in London all loved it. They love kicking a ball. But to kick my own self in the groin if I could after that one, that's how lousy it felt. I'm sitting in the living room, and I'm, trying not to get emotional. I got all three of my kids. My wife's out for a run or something, and I'm just like, no! Couldn't believe the double dunk. You're like, hey, what happened? Why, why, why no? What's the matter? It was rough. I was out of Cajun Field Saturday for homecoming where the UL offense for three quarters, for until the final two drives, had not had a, a drive longer than six plays all night. And then the last two drives of the game, they, you know, move the ball. They had 40 plays over the first 10 drives of the night. They had 29 plays in the last two. It was, it was a rough night. Still could have won. In both of these instances, these teams could have won. They could have won. They could have won. It was right there. It was right there. But when you're not well-disciplined and when you're having penalties and you're having self-inflicted wounds, usually you're losing the close games. Right? LSU got off to a rough start as well against the team in Auburn that's not good, but Got it done, came back, credit to them. They got the win. They got the win on the road. Now they get number, uh, what, number eight? Tennessee number eight now? As LSU creeps into the uh, the AP poll, 11 a.m. kickoff Tiger Stadium this Saturday. We're going to talk to Coach Michael Desimo at 7.15. We will uh, have open phone lines for the entire 8 o'clock hour. Let you guys all sound off. It's the Great Scott Show, 103.3 The Goat. 
If you already know the number, maybe you're already on hold. We got time for a quick phone call because I do have Coach Desimo coming up in a few minutes. But let's head to the phone lines. Let's get a morning jolt of coffee from this guy. Good morning, Kyle. So who is good, Scott? Tell me who's good in the league. There's about three good, quote, good football teams in the whole NFL. I don't want to hear that crap, man. These guys don't practice anymore before the season starts. They don't, they, they don't get out there and, and during, during the fall camp. They don't have two a days. They don't even have one a days most of the time. Okay? The guys don't practice. So I don't want to hear this crap about how bad the Saints are. Because I can tell you right now, yesterday, I can't look at a single player and go, oh, it was his fault. That's bull crap, man. The refs have the power to change these games, and you're not going to tell me that an oligarch who runs a monopoly can't control. All right, you know what? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing this. I'm not. I'm not. My Monday, my weekend was bad enough. I don't need four more minutes of Kyle talking about how it's all fixed, and he doesn't want to hear that his favorite team isn't currently a good football team. I don't. I'm not doing it. I'm not, I don't want to subject you guys to that. Certainly don't want to subject myself to that. It was a bad enough weekend to begin with. I don't, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't know if some of you guys are saying thank you, if you're laughing, if you're mad at me. I don't care. I don't. I don't. Just, oof. Yeah, just pain. It was pain everywhere. Yeah, pain everywhere. It's pain everywhere. <sighs> Let's take another phone call. Good morning. Welcome into the uh, Great Scott Show. Scott, man, long time. Uh, didn't talk to you, man. How's it going? Dalai Lama. Man, tell me something good. Tell me something good. I need something this morning. Give okay. me something good. Well, before I start off with the same, all I can tell you, man, uh, well, LSU still got me almost getting a heart attack, but they they winning, and uh, hopefully, I, I mean, uh, kudos to your team. I don't know uh, how far the Mets gonna get if they do make the no, play no, game. Don't, but... don't, uh, with respect, don't tell me kudos after they just got swept by the Braves to all assure yeah. that they're not gonna win the division. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that's but, the thing about the Mets; they're having their best season in years, and yet you know we can't enjoy it because you know they yeah, just messed it all I, up. I, I actually thought y'all was gonna do something, Scott. I mean, I said, man, the Mets looking good, but hopefully, uh, hopefully the Astros could finally put it together again. Hey, Amen. I, I hope we win the World Series. At least I have a little relief of what's going on with the Saint already. Can you put your finger on? And I, I ain't gonna. I know uh, you got a, some other calls, but can you put your finger on what's really going on with the Saint? I mean, is it coaching? It. I mean. I don't. I don't know what's going on, man. It's, it's just a. It's just a rough year right now for us. It is. There are a lot of you know. One 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 good point that Kyle made before he was about to start a long diatribe on things being fixed was that there's not that many really good teams right now in the NFL. But you know there are a lot of average teams. The Saints are a bad team right now. Uh, right now, you That's know? Scott. We we was that we was that close and we win that game. Uh, then everybody two and two in the division except uh, Carolina, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, they were close. They were close, but the the slow starts, undisciplined, not protecting the football. Um, you know, getting out coached it seems at times. Bad play calling at times. You know, you got the ground game going a little bit yesterday, which was good. 
Uh, but, you know, all that plus some, you know, really bad officiating, especially on that one touchdown drive by the Vikings, it's all just bad. I mean, I, I, I can't put my finger on a single thing. It's just it's not good right now. Right. Well, look, I'm going to leave you with this. My mom always told me, don't worry, son. There's always sunshine at the end of the tunnel. Have a good day, Scott. Thank you, Lama. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back. Coach Michael Desimo joining me on this Monday morning on 103.3 The Goat. Greatest sports talk of all time. Don't let someone get your goat. There's plenty to go around for everyone. 103.3 The Goat. The greatest sports talk of all time. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Monday morning. 103.3 The Goat. Greatest sports talk of all time. Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns fall on homecoming 20-17. to 17. A uh, walk-off field goal by South Alabama. Another tough loss for the Cajuns. We're going to talk about that and uh, also look ahead to a game coming up in nine days on the road in um, West Virginia against Marshall. Here to talk to us about that is the head coach of Louisiana Rage Cage Football, Coach Michael Desimo. Uh, coach, I wish we were uh, we were talking after a win, man. But um, you know, Saturday was was a heartbreaker. I know we've dissected it a little bit, and we're going to do it a little bit more here. But you know, we often ask how the team's doing, right? How the locker room's doing when things are when things are are, I guess not. Not victorious, if you will, right? As a team together, how are you doing right now, Coach? How is um, you know, just I, I know I know how much it all means to you. I know you guys are working hard, and when the result isn't what you want, uh, three weeks in a row, I know it's difficult. So, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, man, I, I'm good. You know, it's the thing that's difficult is, is, is shoot, you don't work any any less hard when you when you lose. You know, that's kind of sometimes the thing is is you. <laughs> you're working harder, spending more hours on it. And, uh, you know, that's where it gets to be, you know, disappointing and all those things. But look, we've been fortunate around here for a long time. We, we haven't, we haven't lost many games and we've, we've been on the other end of it. And it, it's, this is, this is how it is. Sometimes you, you gotta, you gotta work through the rough patches and, and you gotta grind it out. And, and like I, I've said before, there, there are things that you believe in that, you know, work and, and it's, it's certainly a results oriented business, right? But there's a process to it. And, you know, sometimes you're not getting the results that you want, but you just got to keep working through the process that you know works that you believe in and, and you'll get there and you'll get what you want. And we're getting closer. You know, you watch that tape and you turn it on and there are things on there that you just say, man, this is it. Like we got to bottle that up and we got to make this what we are and, and do this more consistently. Uh, and, and that's that's what we're trying to do right now. You know, we're just going to keep working through the through the rough patches and you know, get get a little bit closer every week. So we just got to keep doing that, and um, this team will get where we want it to be. I, I know that, and I believe it because we we do have the right type of coaches, players, and uh, staff involved here. So we'll get it where we need it to be. In in the first ten drives of the night, coach, it was just it was tough sledding offensively. Um, I think the longest sequence of the night was six plays. And then the last two drives, 
uh, it was it was like something flipped. You know, you guys started moving the ball, and I don't think because it was a close game, it's not like South Alabama was doing very much differently on defense. Um, what what in your mind kind of just changed? What was it a was it a moment? Was it a play? Was it momentum? Like what was? Why were you? you know, 40 plays over the first 10 drives and then 29 on the final two, which, you know, resulted in points, drives that ended in points that put that game very, very close to, to going to overtime. It, so, it, truthfully, the first the first half, the first drive of the game, you know, it wasn't long, but there were some explosives and got us down there, and, and we really kind of handled what they were doing very well, you know, aside from the first play, certainly. Um and we get down there and we miss we miss we miss a chip shot field goal that we felt you know felt good about kicking and for us that's been part of it though right you know we've kind of settled for some field goal attempts and we've been you know a little inconsistent there to say the least um so the first drive you know you felt like okay we're on to something good here and then then you know it was kind of some of the things that it had been it was untimely penalties or just kind of miscues that kept you from, from moving the ball. And then at the end of the half, we had two drives. We get down there, we get hit as we throw, uh, we get, we get MJ open for, for a touchdown. And we, we get hit as we're throwing it. They end up intercepting it. Our defense comes up big. We drive it back down there and get another field goal attempt. So we felt, you know, beginning of the first half and end of the first half, like we had a few drives there where we were moving it the way you want to. Um, and then the third quarter was just, you know, we couldn't really, we couldn't sustain. We were in some, some third and long situations that we just didn't convert on, you know, a little bit, a little bit inefficient sometimes on second, second down, you know, kind of getting behind the sticks and you end up in third and third and eight. And that just, you know, that's a tough down to be in. Uh, And then those last couple drives of the game, it was just, you know, it was just guys executed really well. You know, we didn't really change a whole lot of what we were calling or what we were doing. Uh, Certainly, you know, I mean, we were still the time that we had in that game. It wasn't like it was a two-minute scenario where you, we had time to run in, throw the ball, and mix it up and play our game. And, and our guys executed really, really well. Uh, you know, the second-to-last drive was, was really rolling. And then we had a, a penalty that took us back uh, to first and 20. Um, you know, that was, that was one that, you know, kind of kicks you in the gut a little bit. But we, we were able to get a field goal out of that get us keep us in the mix and then the last drive certainly was uh was really well done um our guys did a, did a heck of a job executing all the way down the field in a lot of different scenarios um you know we even had a first and 20 that we overcame on, on a call that you know that you know certainly when you're in the wrong in them you feel like most of them are questionable right but uh, overcame that and ended up scoring a touchdown down there um uh, you know that that was really really just went out there and just executed the plan you know and we had quite a few drives there where we did it some of them we just didn't finish those two drives we were able to get points on the board yeah the you mentioned the, the penalty on the final drive that negated the the one of the best highlights i mean i i feel like if if it's not negated maybe it's sports center top 10 but chris smith uh leaping over the defender i know you know chris he's not the tallest guy but man that was that was impressive i was standing in the back of the end zone but you know, about about forty yards away, but seeing him go up and go over was that's just a reminder how talented that kid is. And I know, you know, from a rushing standpoint, it's you talked about it. There were there were some ebbs and flows, and it wasn't always clicking on on Saturday. But it it seems like 
at least as far as Chris goes, some of those explosive plays, he had a 55-yard gain. I mean, if you're just looking at the stat sheet, you know, you got a 100-yard rusher. And I know that's something that overall maybe you're not grading out as A as far as the rushing attack goes, but to see a guy like Chris who you knew you knew he could get it going at some point, get it going, that was that was a good thing. That was a positive coming out of the game on Saturday. Well, there's no doubt. And like I said at the beginning, we're getting closer to what we want to be. You know, our, our up front, we played a lot better. Uh, we were able to get our backs loose a little bit. Uh, and certainly guys like Chris, I mean, we, everyone knows what they're capable of and we can get them loose a little bit. And I thought the backs played really did play well. They pressed the runs and they did a good job being decisive. So we're getting closer where we want to be. Uh, you know, we talk about all the time. I no, no coach is ever going to get on here and say, yeah, we're good enough right here. You know, we're, we're good. We don't need to get any better there. Uh, and we certainly have a lot of room to improve. Uh, particular on offense, but you know we're getting closer to where we want to be. We're able to run the ball way more effectively uh, in in this last game, and that's something that we've got to be able to do. You know, I mean, to get this thing going the way you want to, you got to have it all kind of clicking together. And I think for our team, you know, we've got to be two dimensional on offense. We we cannot. We're, we're not going to be able to just run the ball down people's throats the way we want. We're not going to be able to just throw it fifty times either. We've got to have to continue to have a little bit of balance and. uh and it was good to be able to get Chris loose a little bit and for our offensive line to, to play, you know, play the way they did last week. Against, to me, a really good South Alabama front. Coach Michael Desimar, guest. Uh, it's 103.3 The Goat. I'm Scott Prather. Coach, the uh, final drive that we're talking about ending in the, the Pierce-Meagle touchdown, um, I know with, with the clock ticking down, you're, there's a lot of different strategies to go into it. Uh, you called a timeout, I think, after the Terrence Williams run. It was third and one with 50 seconds left. With uh, another timeout in your pocket after that, I think you had one more. Was there What goes into calling a timeout there as opposed to letting some time tick off? Like when it comes to the the clock and sort of the game within the game, what goes into that decision? And, and was it anything you considered? Should we do it sooner? Should we do it later? Should we let more tick off? Uh, if you don't mind, just just touch a little bit on on that decision in the moment. Yeah, no, we were we were uh, we weren't exactly lighting the world on fire on offense. We were just we were trying to make sure we were in a good place so we could score a touchdown and, and tie the thing up. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, all those things kind of go back go into it a little bit, but. We felt like after the last two drives, we had all the momentum on our side, and and, and honestly, Scott. I thought we were going to be able to win the game in regulation. Um, you know, we get a touchdown on the next play, and then we really we had two timeouts left, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, yeah. Uh, so for us, it was on on. Then we were going to kick the ball off. We'd been pinning them back on kickoff cover, uh, and felt like you know you had a chance to shoot, maybe get EG loose on a punt return, and have a chance to try to kick a field goal to win the game. So, um, no, I mean, to be honest with you, if our defense had been struggling, if it was a 45 to 52 game and you felt like all right well you know it's been a shootout the whole game certainly that plays in a little bit different but it's not like either offense had really uh had really been lighting the world on fire the way they were moving the ball and and moving it up and down the field and um for us it was i wanted to make sure we were in the right play uh you could go really fast from from having plenty of time to not enough time especially when you know we were down there we were in big personnel we were in 14 personnel we're huddling every time um definitely wasn't something that I was considering was letting the clock run. 
and getting us to the point where then we're scrambling on fourth down to try to call a timeout and get the right play and do those things. So now in my mind, it was, uh, it was all about, you know, we had momentum, capturing momentum and, and trying to, trying to find a way to win that game at the end. You mentioned your defense, um, held South Alabama uh, to a season low by a good bit. I mean, their lowest output in the game, I think, was 31 at UCLA. Um, so, you know, it makes sense to that point, the way your defense had played. And Jordan Quibido was talking to us after the game, and I know he wasn't um, in the personnel on that final sequence defensive. We'd, you know, he was asked about it. He's like, look, you know, sometimes it's just – I, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially it was sometimes you just got to give your your opponent credit. You know, I mean they're they're trying to make the plays, we're trying to stop them, and uh, they just they made more on that final drive. And um, you know, it was look there for a moment, coach. You had them what I think maybe third and ten, uh, but you know, like you mentioned, uh, the Jaguars are four and one, and I know that's um, it's tough when you lose any games, but. You know, losing to them, having them there with that momentum at the end, man, if you could have gotten into overtime, how do you feel like that game would have played out? Yeah, we felt great. I mean, I felt great about overtime. After the game, it was, you know, someone asked me, how close were you going for two? I wasn't close at all. Um, In my mind, all the momentum had, I mean, the pendulum had completely shifted and it was on our side. And I had no doubt that if we got them in overtime, we were going to, we were going to be able to win the football game. And you know, that last sequence that they had on, on with their offense. Yeah. I mean, first, second down, they had two really ugly incompletions that, I mean, they were, they were out of sorts. And then on third and 10, they popped a big run. You know, uh, we hold them again. They complete a really, a really tough throw and catch where Eric Gare, I mean, is all over the receiver. I mean, he has, you know, got his hand in there. The guy makes a great catch and then they make another great catch to get him in field goal range. I mean, you know those guys get coached too. They, uh, you know, their their players have scholarships too, and and their team has this year. They have found ways to win games. Uh, and I kind of talked about it a little bit leading up to South Alabama last year. You watch them on tape, and you're like, this is a really good football team. They just kind of were finding ways to lose games a little bit. They weren't finding ways to win them. It, it's they're a little bit like we are right now. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like the opposite. Um, and this year they're finding ways to win games and, and that's where you know like I said we, we keep getting close and we're putting ourselves in position to have a chance in the end and when you don't play particularly well you know and we haven't really the last especially the last three weeks we have not played really well in all four in all three phases um, to still have chances to win in the end you know I think it says a lot about the the character of your team and the, and the grit that they have uh, but we've got to start playing better. And then in the end, we've got to find a way to close those things out and, and give ourselves, give our, give ourselves a win in the end. You know, uh, our kids are playing with unbelievable effort. Um, they, they, they believe in each other. I mean, it, it matters to them to say the least and, and we're getting closer. Uh, but that's not what anybody's here for, right? No one's here for moral victories. We're here, we're here to win football games and, you know, we just we got to we got to play a little bit better. We got to continue to fix the things we've got to fix, and and in the end of the game, we we've got to close them out, and we got to we got to finish it as a team. Coach Michael Desmo, our guest. I'm Scott Prate, the Great Scott Show, 103.3 The Goat. Chandler Fields, uh, your quarterback, exited. Uh, ben Woldrich, you know, I think he took the final two possessions of, of the first half, and then was told at halftime it'd be him the rest of the way. You said, as far as playing both guys, if one guy ever got hurt, God forbid, I think was the phrasing. 
you know, that the, the other guy, you know, if it was Chandler, that Ben would be ready. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case moving forward. I, I, I don't know that we'll get a health update on Chandler, but I, I do have to ask you how he's feeling. And then the follow-up you can just answer after. And how would you, would you grade, you know, Ben's performance now that he had an opportunity to, you know, have multiple possessions in a row um, within the, the context of a game? So yeah, you know we'll get we'll get a health update a little bit on on Chandler today. I, I knew he was banged up a little bit coming out of uh, out of the UL Monroe game, uh, but it didn't affect him in practice really. You know he had a great week of practice all week. Uh, you know sometimes those things it's you know when you get in the game at quarterback, you know you don't get hit during the week, so you never really know how someone's going to respond. So last week we made sure that Ben got got enough reps with the, with the first group, uh, you know, and had Zion getting some reps with the second group, just in case if something would happen where Chandler couldn't go. And, you know, he came out, came out in the game and you could tell, I think early on that he was just kind of not, not, not really himself. Uh, and after he took a couple hits on the sideline, our athletic training staff was like, ah, you know, I don't know if he's going to be good to go. And kind of the more it went, you know, we just decided, listen, we're not going to put this kid in a position where, he's got to go out there and, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's not the right thing for the kid, you know, to put him out there where he's got to, he's got to play through it hurt. And, you know, we've talked about it before. The big thing is that we did feel like both of those guys deserve to play and felt like it would be good for our team in the long run. And so for Ben, he was ready for the moment. Um, yeah, I, I think Ben, Ben plays with, Ben Ben is one of the toughest dudes that I know. I mean, the way that he plays the game, he is tough as can be. He's he's provides energy for our team. He our offense, you know, he knows how to get them going and he sparks them a little bit. Uh, I, I say it all the time, you know, when you play quarterback, you're going to miss some, and and there was certainly some of them out there that I thought we had. We had it where we had some guys open, felt like he could have moved in the pocket a little bit, and and had some guys down the field that we could have hit. But that's always part of it, you know. I mean when you're in the fire and you're in the pocket, it's, it's a lot easier to, to sit on the sideline and, and, and hold the remote and say, well, this is what we should have done. Uh, you know, the guy plays with, with, with a lot of toughness and I never question that about him. I think for him, there's probably quite a few of them that he'd like to have back some, some plays down the field that we could have hit, but he did make some big ones too. Uh, the third in, in 12 throw to Peter LeBlanc was huge. I mean, he steps up, slides in the pocket, throws the ball. Pete makes a great catch. You know, that was a huge one at the end of the game on that drive. Uh, so he certainly made, made his share of them. You know, his interception, like I said, we had a guy open and it's a touchdown and Ben actually saw it and, and communicated to the receiver on the play. It was a great decision. We just lose in protection a little bit late. He gets hit as he's thrown ends up in interception, but I, I thought Ben did a lot of really good things for us. Um, you know, and this week we'll work really hard to, to keep the quarterback play, um, to get it really to a higher level than what it has been and, and go out there and, and continue to let those guys play good football for us. So if if Chandler ends up being healthy, do you foresee any changes to the setup? Is that a decision that comes later, or you know, is it something you're still thinking about? I think that's a decision that we're going to have to go through, you know, because even if he gets in position to be able to go out there and, and throw the ball well at practice, in the back of your mind you're still worried about the contact part of it, you know, so we're going to have to kind of play that by ear. And I think the good thing about this is that we do play, you know, we play it next Wednesday. So we still got nine days before we've got to play that game. 
you know, so we're just going to have to play it by ear a little bit, but I'm not going to put Chandler in a position, you know, maybe if the guy's a senior and this is it for him and that's all he's got left, but you know, you put him in a position where you go out there and you get him hurt for the long term, and that's that's not good for him. That's not good for our team. So, uh, I said it from the beginning. We, we felt like we had two quarterbacks that could that could win football games for us, uh, and we're not gonna. We're certainly not gonna put one out there that's that that can't play the game the way it needs to be played. Because I think for Chandler, he's got to be able to use his legs. He's got to be able to run the football uh, to be effective in the pass game too. I, I think. It, he's a better player when he's got everything kind of going in the right direction and he's got all all of his tools at his disposal. And I think if he's one-dimensional, I, I don't think that that's a good thing for him. I don't think that sets him up for success. Coach Michael Desimo, our guest. Uh, I'm Scott Prather. It's 103.3 The Goat. Coach, the um, last, just last health question. I know that, you know, when it comes to within a game when a player is hurt, you know, if they were a little nicked up coming in, you have more insight, perhaps, like it is with Chandler. When it happens during a game, I know Chris Smith and, and David Hudson there on that last drive uh, came out, but Hudson might have been a little before the last drive. I don't remember exactly when. But, like, when when do you generally get – because coaches have different approaches. Maybe they don't talk about it at all. Maybe they say – as far as the media goes, maybe they say, hey, look, you'll get a, a, a you know, a depth chart as we get closer to the game. And – you know, sometimes you know in the moment, sometimes you don't know for days. So I guess my question is more sort of how the, 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 the sausage is made, so to speak, or how the boudin is made. Like, when do you get a clear picture with an injury on game day uh, if it's not a season ender, right? I mean, there's some that, unfortunately, if it happens, everybody in the stands can see. That's 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 unfortunate. He's probably not going to play again this year. But when it's something else, guy limps off, whatever. I know, I know I'm kind of getting in a gray area here, but what's that process like for you as the head coach as far as when you learn? And then what's your approach to, you know, if someone in the media asks you when, when you would prefer to maybe let the word out, if at all, if that makes sense? Yeah, so everything's a, every injury is a little different. Um, our, our athletic training staff does a great job, and Chris Litt has done a, a really good job with our players, you know, especially as many guys we had coming off of surgeries and off of injuries from last year in the off season, things like that. Uh, so our kind of our protocol in the game is as soon as someone comes out, they're evaluated and our head athletic trainer comes to me immediately and tells me where we're at right now. And, and that might be, Hey, the guy's out for the game. We're still trying to figure out if he can come back, you know, kind of there, there's a lot of, you talked about gray. There's a lot of gray in an injury, right. And figuring out where they're at. Um, so he comes to me, then he goes to our special teams, uh, guys and lets them know who's in and who's out, because that's, that's a lot of times where the, uh, confusion comes in. You know, you think someone's in and well, they're banged up. So their backup's not ready to go. Um, so we, we do it that way. And that way we're all on the same page. Um, and as an offense, we communicated on the headset as a defense, I'll let the defense know kind of what the injury status is at the moment. Um, and you know, some of the guys you can get back in right away. Some of them, it takes a little while. Some of them are, are done. So you just kind of try to communicate that. So everybody's on the same page with who's in and who's out. Uh, you know, as far as for figuring out what you tell the media, well, there's a certain, there's some privacy for the player that you, that you don't want to violate either. You know, you, you certainly don't want to put it out there exactly 
you don't want to be too specific about what an injury is because I, I think that's something that, you know, you don't want that kind of getting out of your camp because for a team, you know, I mean, you certainly would hope that football teams are going to do things the right way. But if, oh, well, so-and-so's ankle sprain, you know, well, you know, you would hope that teams wouldn't play this way, but they might be going after someone's ankle, right, or, or whatever the case may be. So, you know, you, you, for the player's safety and for their own privacy, you don't want to put too much out there. Um, and then, you know, realistically, a lot of times, I mean, these guys, as competitive as they are, a lot of them are day-to-day. You know, I mean, they, they want to play. So some of these injuries, it's it's a pain tolerance thing. It's, well, if they can manage the pain, they can play. So, you know, we've all been there as players and, you know, as a coaching staff and as a training staff, you try to you try to manage, hey, what, what's safe for us to be able to put this guy out there? You know, will it get any worse if he plays? Um, or will it not? Is it just a pain tolerance thing? And and certainly that's been in the news right now, you know, with what happened with Tua with the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, player safety is always the first priority. And you never want to put a player in jeopardy where they can't go do their job and they can't play uh, the game that they need to play the way they need to play it. So there's just a lot of decisions that go into it. And certainly the player has a role in it too. You know, some guys, they – some guys they manage, they can play with pain, they can play through it, and some some guys cannot. And it doesn't mean they're not tough. It's just everything's a little bit different, and all those injuries kind of are different. Usually on Monday is kind of when we get a little bit clearer picture uh, because Sunday we've been able to get them evaluated by doctors really, really well. We've been able to get an MRI or whatever we need to do to get a, 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 an image, you know, that the doctors can, can evaluate as well. Um, so usually Monday by midday, Typically, we've got a little bit better picture of where we are. Uh, but with a 10-day turnaround, you, you feel like, okay, well, some of these things that kind of nag a little bit, maybe we can get through and get some of these guys back this week. Speaking of the 10-day turnaround, uh, it's a bye week or kind of a mini-bye, just the way the schedule uh, is laid out. What's what's the approach, um, you know, aside from maybe giving the players a few days off, is there anything um, – Maybe that you would do different with with the midweek game than than uh, than than the previous regime, or what? What's your? How do you approach this week? I guess that's just the simplest way to ask it. It's a it's a mini buy of sorts where you're at as a team, and and you know getting ready for a trip to a a tough team in Marshall a week from Wednesday. Sure. So there's Tony Dungy has a bunch of books out, and um and and one of his books. I think it's mentor leader. He talks about, he said, I, you know, he has a quote in there and says, I truly believe. And I know wholeheartedly that three days is all you need to prepare for a game for any game. And he's talking about the Super Bowl and talking about how coaches can, can overdo it and basically screw it up when you have too much time. Um, and you have too, too big of a game plan, right. And you, and you, you can't execute it. Uh, so for us, it's always a little bit unique Scott in that we have a lot of these short turnarounds later in the year. So, You've got to, as a coaching staff, we're able to give our players some time off physically, um, you know, a couple more days than normally what they'd have. Uh, but as a coaching staff, you've got to kind of work ahead on some things that you have on short turnarounds. Um, you know, Georgia Southern and Southern Miss are both going to be quick turnarounds for us a little bit later in the year. Um, but you still are able to gain a couple of days on Marshall where you can spread out that game plan and you're not maybe burning the midnight oil till one or two o'clock in the morning. You know, maybe you can, you can work a little bit, uh, a little bit more effectively with a little bit more time and still kind of work in the same manner where you're still a lot in the same amount of time is just spread out over a little bit more time. Uh, for us with the players, there's, there's 
when you have a long week, there's always a little bit of time where you can really work on the fundamentals and you can get back to some of those practices where it's like, hey, this is not game plan specific. This is, uh, this is good on good. This is, you know, ones against ones, twos against twos, doing our base offense, base defensive things that we do, uh, working more individual time where we can work on the techniques and the fundamentals that have shown up that through the first uh, five games that we need to get fixed, right, things that we need to work on. So you, you got some time for all that, which is a good thing. Um, and certainly there's a little bit more time for them physically to rest. So for us, basically, we just kind of plan the week backwards from Marshall and say, all right, that's Saturday. And you work backwards from there um, and you take the extra days and you do the extra work, maybe on the short week turnarounds that you need or on some Marshall stuff that you can kind of get started on a little bit sooner and start that game plan process a little bit earlier. But, you know, I mean, the reality of it is that seven days, you you have enough time to game plan for a team to get ready to go play. Um, I think sometimes, you know, as coaches, when you, when you have more time than that, that's the challenge, you know, we, at the beginning of the year, that's that's always an issue. You know, if you take two weeks to game plan for a team, well, you put yourself in jeopardy of probably having too much stuff in there, right, or probably overthinking some things. So um, there's kind of that fine line that you try to walk. And I think uh, for us in this conference, it's a little bit unique because a bye week's not a true bye week because there's always some things on the back end that you've got to be ready for. Um, and, and like I said, I mean, this bye week, you know, you play the next one on Wednesday. So it's not like it's a true, you know, 14 day break where you've got this plan that you can structure out. So every year it, it's certainly a little bit different every year. And for us, we've kind of looked ahead at the rest of the schedule, um, and, and kind of where the problem areas could be down the line and said, okay, well, this is, we need to get some work done here, here, and here. And, um, you know, for the coaching staff, it's kind of, you know, you got to make a little bit of an adjustment there and, and kind of keep working through it. But, uh, but our coaching staff does a really good job of that. And, you know, they're, uh, we, we, we were up here yesterday kind of working on some things that we need to work on moving forward. Marshall is up next, but it is a week from this Wednesday on the road. And, um, you know, I, I would ask you typically about the next opponent in our conversations, Coach, but I think you and I might chat one more time before that game. So I've, I, I saved it for uh, for the next chat. I appreciate you joining us this morning as you do uh, every Monday during the football season, uh, being candid and open about everything. And um, look forward to our next chat. In the meantime, man, I'll, I'll let you get back to work. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you, man. You got it. That is Louisiana Raging Cajun head football coach, Michael Desimo. <sighs> Number of things to unpack there. Um, you know, Calling the timeout with 50 seconds on one hand, wants to make sure they score on another. Feels like if they do, they can get the ball back, which I'll be honest, when South Alabama had a third and 10, I thought they were going to get it back. And Kenny, kind of like Zach before him, when it comes to Cajun kicking, he's missing the short ones, making the long one. Too many self-inflicted wounds in a team that, you know, needs to improve. Seems like they're getting closer, and the defense has been there. Feels like the defense has been there all year. It has been. Offensively, improve. And special teams is a surprise. Outside of Eric Gare, you know, it hadn't been it hadn't been good this year. Kind of like the Saints. Special teams, you thought special teams hadn't been great for the Saints. Although Will Lutz, golly. 60-yarder. Well, he almost hit the 60. Yeah, but he didn't. Double doink, but he didn't. Ah. 
talking about the quarterbacks. Man, it it we'll see what happens next. And coach didn't really. I maybe I'm reading too much into it. Perhaps I am, admittedly. But it almost sounds like there there could it could just be Woolrich a week from Wednesday. Because as he said, look, even if Chandler is you know improving, you worry about certain things from an injury standpoint, and you know he wouldn't get into the specifics of it. But everyone that's saying you know they just need to play one guy whole game that might be happening at Marshall. But there's a lot of time between now and then. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, open up phone lines. You have some thoughts on the Cajuns. Uh, if you have some thoughts on uh, LSU, who you know is awfully close to being undefeated, and yet if you've watched them, you know that there's some issues within the football team. and They got a big moment for them. Number eight, Tennessee at Tiger Stadium, 11 a.m. The October schedule for LSU, let's just say it's uh, not for the faint of heart. It's a big moment for them. Saints, yeah. Well, Monday night game as well tonight. Yeah. I didn't really watch the Sunday night game. I was watching Mets Braves, unfortunately for me. But uh, from what I understand, Tampa not looking all that impressive. And Patrick Mahomes, perhaps we don't even talk about him enough, as good as he is. But for many that consider Brady the GOAT, some felt like it was the current GOAT versus the future GOAT. And while the two had played one time and it was in a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay with not that many people in the stands because it was the COVID season and a regular season game in Tampa, Mahomes finally got his way. Many, many years from now when they're comparing resumes, last night's game isn't really going to matter. The one from the Super Bowl two years ago certainly will. Open phone lines and some audio. You'll hear from Andy Dalton and others on the Saints after yesterday's game. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show on 103.3 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Well, we butt in with a little common sense. One zero three three, the goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. To nail this sucker, good snap, good hold. Let's his kick on the way, oh. and it is off the upright double doink, and it is over in London. Let's pinballed it around, and it fell out. 28-25, the Vikings hang on by the width of the crossbar. Being my nightmares this week. A double doink. The fact that it was from 61 yards 
you know, it's it's like Lutz is getting a bit of a pass. And I get it. I mean, he was short by a yard or something. It's like a 61-yarder is exactly a, a gimme. Hell, his 60-yarder tied Morton Anderson for the second longest field goal in franchise history. And then he almost broke his own one a few minutes later with the double doink. Ugh. Oh, man. And then Alave just barely just couldn't quite get both feet down on the play before that would have, you know, made it a, a, what, a 47-yarder instead. A lot of little things, but when your margin for error is slim, because you're undisciplined. And, I, and I, I stand by what I've been saying for a while. Those black helmets need to go. I mean, they, first of all, they look awful with the color rush uniforms. I had so many people in my comments on Twitter yesterday. I love them. Should be the permanent helmet. They're great. Best thing about this game. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Please. Look like a weird, you know, Jaguars helmet on. It, it just, it just not good. Not good. Weird look. Bad look. Bad play. Bad day. That's what it was. How will Lutz feel about that kick in particular and the game and his play? What about Dennis Allen? Same song and dance with his press conference. You'll hear from them, plus open phone lines at 337-269-1077. College football, NFL football, MLB, it's all on the table. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues after the short timeout on 103.3 The Goat. Simulcast on 1420. 1033 The Goat. Yeah, that's the one. K277 DQ Lafayette, 1420 KPEL Lafayette. It's a good thing goats have four stomachs. Otherwise, there's no way we could swallow some of these takes. Hey, goat, what's going on out there? 1033 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. Hitting on the weekend in sports. Needing a hug. How was your weekend? How is your Monday going? My son yesterday, after the double doink, and the Saints losing again in just crazy fashion for an abundance of various reasons, including refs and their own play and their coach. Looked over at me and said, Dad, when does the Pelican season start? <laughs> well, glad you're excited about that, but the timing of that question I, I don't feel like was just coincidental. 
He was ready. Now their preseason openers tomorrow, but regular season's a few weeks away. Until the Saints can find a way to stop shooting themselves in the foot, stop with the SIWs, they're not going to win very many games. Why were we high on the Saints coming into the season? Because they have talent at just about every position. The coaching staff already knew the players. Players knew the system. They've had success for a while. The only difference is they actually improved in a few areas as far as the roster goes, but they lost their head coach. I mean, Demario Davis was asked, you know, it just feels like there's something off. He said, you know, it's it's like playing a game with bad Wi-Fi. You're just glitching. If they don't clean things up, they are going to be playing themselves as much as their opponent every week this season. And yes, they very well could have won the game if not for that atrocious illegal hands-to-the-face penalty against Tyron Matthew and then the P.I. call against Marshawn Lattimore a few plays later. But you do know that there are some things the Saints can control that they're struggling with. Fumbling twice. The other first downs, aside from the two I mentioned, that Minnesota got by penalty. Oh, well, you know, they could be 4-0. Well, they're 1-3. Things have just felt a little different. Control what you can control. Dennis Allen, I do everything I can to figure out what's going wrong. Got to look at who's handling the ball. They got more fumbles already than they did all the last season. By a lot, by the way. They lost six fumbles this season. They have five interceptions. I mean, do, do any of these do any of these players feel like there is major consequences to their mistakes? I know under Sean Payton they did. They lost five fumbles last season. Right now they're on uh, uh, on pace to lose twenty five. All oh, the rest, the red. I mean, the, the false starts. They've been called for six false starts this year. That's not a ref thing. Yes, I hear you. The, the The Matthew penalty was awful, and it extended a drive when the Saints were up, and Minnesota probably had a punt. I get it. Complain about it. You should. It's awful. But also complain about the other stuff. Also be real with yourself about what this team is doing. I mean, they score late in the third quarter. And then on the next kickoff, it's a dumb personal foul. And now Minnesota started the 45, which a couple of plays later, defense is rolling. They don't get a first. Oh, look what happened. A fake punt, which was run to perfection, by the way, by the Vikings. I don't know if they're going with that fake punt from, you know, inside the, what, around the 35 or 36? The Saints have a talented roster. 
despite the mistakes, despite the bad calls, despite all that, you know, they're a double doink away from forcing overtime. Who knows what would have happened there? They might have won. They might have lost. They might have tied. And yes, the entire NFC is, is, you know, Eagles look good. Eagles are only undefeated team in the league, though. Hell, in the NFC South, Tampa beat the Saints. They don't look great. Atlanta's 2-2 two and two right now. Saints are in last place in the NFC South. It's, it's a problem. And now they get Seattle next week at noon. That's the game you got to win, right? Oh, the Seahawks are two and two and two. They got a better record than the Saints. I don't know what the line is for that game. I imagine it's been released somewhere. And then you got the Bengals, and you got the Cardinals, and you got the Raiders. Saints are a four-point favorite. There it is, minus four. Seattle, who wanted Detroit, the Detroit Lions at one and three. Who who would have thought that the Detroit Lions would be like the twenty twelve Saints, scoring in the forties but giving up in the forties? That many points. Seems like every game. Eight minutes after the hour of 8 o'clock. So Will Lutz spoke after the game yesterday in London before the Saints flew back across the pond about those field goals. Let's just say Lutz didn't exactly have a big smile on his face. I saw a lot of, man, it's impressive that he almost made that second one. No moral victories here. Uh Uh-uh. Will Lutz after the game. emotions for you those last two kicks. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, they were the same two kicks. Um, unfortunately, second one had one more yard to move than the first one. So um, there's no silver line to losing or missing. So it's kind of tough to answer that question. Could you tell if you made it or not? I mean, yeah, I thought they were both in. Um, I, th- I hit them both on the screws. Uh, I played them right third, knowing the ball was going to move a little left. And the second one just moved a little more left. So I'm kind of shocked it didn't bounce in, but well, it's frustrating. Off, even after it dropped from our point of view, from our position, it's hard to see if it actually went over or not. Did you have the same kind of thing there? Did you think it went over? Um, I, I don't really know. I mean, it all happened so quick. Uh, I heard it hit the first doink, saw the second one, and then I saw them celebrate, so figured it didn't go in. Well, how often do you practice like from distance like that? Twice a week. We hit, we hit kicks from every spot that we think is reasonable to happen in a game, so we've hit that kick plenty of times. I hit that kick in warm-up both ways. Um... So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I hit them both as flush as I could. Just honestly, can't not, I'm kind of still in shock. The second one didn't go in. So. What was, uh, I'm assuming when you're, you're testing the range in pregames, you're kind of letting DA know like what your range is uh, either side? No, I mean, that's kind of understood, to be honest. In that situation, there is no range. It's, we got to kick it. There's no option. Um and when my number's called, I got to give it a chance. Obviously, I gave it a chance, but I didn't get the right bounce, so it's frustrating. Last week, I know you, had, you talked to us afterwards and you took accountability and everything. 
What's it like in this game being in that position where your teams rely on you? Yeah, you know, that's what you sign up for as a kicker. Not every game's going to go your way. Obviously, it's not the start of the season that I, I wanted it to be. Um, I mean, I take every week, one week at a time, and I didn't have any thoughts of last week, this week. I thought I hit the ball well today. Um, but, yeah, I wanted to hit that kick for the team. Um, we needed a win today, and uh, that's pretty frustrating. Was there any conditions at all today? No, it was uh, about as nice as a day as you can ask for. Um, perfect kicking conditions. I mean, there may have been a slight breeze behind me, if anything. So, Does that sound like a guy that's moral victory? Well, we were close. Yay. No. No. ESPN Lafayette, excuse me, ESPN Lafayette, 103.3 The Goat, greatest sports talk of all time. It's a great Scott show. Phone lines are open for you, 337-269-1077. Damien emails the show. He says, Scott, I hear you about the NFC not having a lot of good teams. Who do you think are good teams? I mean, the Eagles are the best team right now in the NFL. They're down 14 to nothing Jacksonville and just erased it like it was nothing. Um, that's what good teams do. The Chiefs are good. I know they lost to the to the to the Colts, but you know they made the Bucks look like an average team at Raymond James Stadium. And the you know the Chiefs typically you know they haven't started off super fast. Remember last year, like halfway through the season, oh, what's wrong with Kansas City? What's wrong with Kansas City? Yeah, they were still pretty good. You know they're three and one with no Tyreek Hill. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? I mean, those are those are good teams. Um, you know, the Packers, I don't know. The Packers are weird. They're good. Good enough to win a lot of games. They're not great. Probably should have lost to the Pats yesterday. Got it done in overtime against the team with with a backup. Uh, you know, the Dolphins, Dolphins are good, but we'll have to wait and see what happens with Tua because they're not the same team with Teddy than they are with Tua. Um, Bengals started 0-2. They've looked better. Baltimore should have won yesterday. They blew a big lead. But the Ravens, even though they're 2-2, I don't don't think they're a bad team. Obviously, the Bills. The Bills are good. The Bills are good. Well, you are what your record says you are. I think that's such a stupid cliche. I get why Bill Parcells said it. I get it. But if that's your approach, then what am I even doing? I just come. I guess. I guess every talking head. I guess every show on TV. I guess every sports radio show will just come out and be like, "Oh, let's talk about this team." Okay, here's their record, and then that's it. We just end the segment. No, it's a lot deeper than that. You got to peel back the layers. You got to look at the reality of a team. I mean, does anyone think that the New York Giants are as good as the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs? Or the Dolphins or any other three and one team? Of course not. Because they're not. Because they're not. Dale emails the show. Scott, I heard your conversation with Coach Desermo. Sounds to me like they might be rolling with Woldrich at Marshall and stop with the two QB thing. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I, I don't 
I don't know if they're going to, quote, stop with the two QB thing, end quote. Um, I do think, you know, you were listening. It, it did sound like they're leaning toward that, but they still are waiting. You know, he said they're waiting on a, on a health update today on Chandler Fields, who went into the game a little nicked up. He said during the game, trainers kind of told him it was going to be tough for him to play. And then he said, you know, I, I said, well, look, if, if, if he is healthy enough to go, do you do it moving forward? He said, well, we'll have to wait and see, you know. We'll wait and see if if he's, gosh, I don't want to screw up the quote. I'll tell you what, take a quick timeout. We'll come back. I'll play that exact soundbite for you. Answer some more emails. Hit us up on Twitter at 1033thegoat. If you want to comment there, you'll hear from quarterback Andy Dalton of the Saints as well. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. It is a Monday on the Great Scott Show on 1033thegoat, the greatest sports talk of all time. We don't talk trash. There is no team in the National Football League right now more balanced than the Dallas Cowboys. We chew it up and spit it back out. Uh... 103.3 The Goat. Great Scott Show, one through three, the good. You hear that clip of Michael Irvin? What's your job? More balance. Makes me think of the Cowboys. QB controversy, eh? Cooper Rush, huh? Norman Locke, uh, former resident Cowboy fan, no longer lives here, but was in town, slept in, didn't show up on Friday. You heard him giving it to Lynn this morning on Rise and Grind. Uh, he's going to be in a little later today to record a segment for tomorrow's show uh, as he will be traveling, so he can't come in live tomorrow. But, yes, I'm sure Norm will have plenty to say. He's, he's, he's excited. He's looking forward to it. On another note, on a serious note, um, scary moment on the opening kickoff of 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 the LSU game. Uh, Seven Banks got carted off the field on the opening kickoff. He was taken to a hospital after a collision uh, where he, you know, hit a player with his helmet. I mean, player safety is is very, obviously it's, it should be the number one priority. Maybe it's not at some places, like in Miami with the Dolphins, but uh, Seven Banks... Injured on the opening kickoff, uh, and according to reports, he was alert and mobile. He's taken to a local hospital, underwent a series of tests, and then uh, he was cleared to return to Jordan-Hare Stadium under the care of the team doctors. Um, so I imagine we'll learn some more today from Coach Kelly about uh, his, his status. Um, but it was... It was just really, really scary moment. He's a grad transfer, played at Ohio State. Um, 
and hopefully the you know wishing them the best, man. Scary stuff. Uh, LSU, it was scary offense for a while, and then they erased the deficit. They come back, they won at Jordan Hare Stadium, a place that's difficult to win at the Plains, but uh, things get a lot more difficult from here for the Tigers. I mean, Auburn, yeah, they're not good. Tennessee is good. Then they got to go to Florida. Then they got Ole Miss, who beat Kentucky, took them off the unbeaten list. Ole Miss now in the top ten. Then you got number one Alabama at Tiger Stadium. Then you're at Arkansas. Then you got UAB. Then you got Texas A&M, who once again, once again this year, is the most disappointing team in college football. Yeah, they got they got beat down by App State. They barely got by Miami and Arkansas, who were no longer ranked. You go to Starkville and you get ripped by the Bulldogs. Give up 42 to Mississippi State. Everyone talks about the problem with the Aggies is, oh, their offense is outdated. It's outdated. Yeah, it's a problem. It is outdated, much like Jimbo Fisher. But when you give up 42, now they go to Alabama, who, because they beat Bama last year, kind of put makeup over some of the skid marks of what last season actually was for the Aggies. Kind of covered it up. Stage makeup. I mean, the, 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 the best makeup you can buy to cover up some things. That can happen when you beat Bama, who now is number one again after Georgia got a scare from Missouri of all teams, but got by him 26-22. So Jimbo Fisher can pull a rabbit out of his again, but this is this is the CBS night game. CBS gets to get that night SEC game in their contract. They get to do it for one game a year. Every now and then they've gotten permission to do two, but it's generally one. And for years, for years, consistently, it was designated for LSU Alabama, particularly in the early 2010s, it was like, okay, this is the one we're putting at seven. This is going to be it. This is the one. And then, you know, into the middle of the 2010s, and then they decided to switch it up. 2019, it was what? It was maybe Notre Dame, Georgia. And then Bama LSU ended up being a 230, and it was what it was. But my point is, this is it. The 7 p.m. game is Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, and it's A&M, and it's Bama, and it's because Jimbo went off on Nick Saban like he was cutting a wrestling promo back when Saban said to a group of Alabama boosters that Aggies buy all their players, and then Jimbo got all mad and didn't want to be honest about NIL and the advantages they have. But meanwhile, here we are in the month of October, and the Aggies are 3-2, and two, fourth place in the SEC West, and playing like doo-doo. You don't think Bama's going to take things a little personal? You know A&M is, but so what? Maybe CBS is regretting putting this as their primetime game as Bama is a 24-point favorite. Yeah. 103.3 The Goat, I'm Scott Prather. It's a great Scott show. Hit me up via email. That one is still scott at espnlafayette.com. You can tweet us at 1033 the go.
Uh, getting back to the uh, email I read to you before the break. Listener was, Doug was pointing out the things that Coach Desimo had said last hour and why he thinks it might just be Ben Woldrich uh, a week from this Wednesday. And, uh, you know, it has somewhat to do with health, but starting to try to quote Coach Des by memory of what he told me last hour. So, you know what, that might not be a great idea. Let me just play the audio for you. So here are two sound bites. I asked Coach Des about just the health of Chandler Fields and Ben getting the reps uh, and then, you know, consistently being in there and not coming out, you know, or in for every third or fourth series. I will play these two clips for you, and then we'll and then we'll get to the phone line. So stay tuned. Here's Coach Des last hour. Yeah, you know we'll get we'll get a health update a little bit on on Chandler today. I, I knew he was banged up a little bit coming out of uh, out of the UL Monroe game, uh, but it didn't affect him in practice really. You know he had a great week of practice all week. Uh, you know, sometimes those things, it's, you know, when you get in the game at quarterback, you know, you don't get hit during the week. So you never really know how someone's going to respond. So last week we made sure that Ben got, got enough reps with the, with the first group, uh, you know, and had Zion getting some reps with the second group, just in case if something would happen where Chandler couldn't go. And, you know, he came out, came out in the game and you could tell, I think early on that he was just kind of not, not, not really himself. Uh, and after he took a couple hits, on the sideline, our athletic training staff was like, ah, you know, I don't know if he's going to be good to go. And kind of the more it went, you know, we just decided, listen, we're not going to put this kid in a position where he's got to go out there and, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's not the right thing for the kid, you know, to put him out there where he's got to, he's got to play through it hurt. And, and then I asked him about, you know, the decision. I mean, is this a, a are you going to roll with the same system if Chandler's healthy? Or I know it's some time between the next game. I know you're waiting on a number of things, but here was Coach's response to that. I think that's a decision that we're going to have to go through, you know, because even if he gets in position to be able to go out there and, and throw the ball well at practice, in the back of your mind, you're still worried about the contact part of it, you know. So, we're going to have to kind of play that by ear. And I think the good thing about this is that we do play, you know, we play it next Wednesday. So we've still got nine days before we've got to play that game. Uh, you know, so we're just going to have to play it by ear a little bit, but I'm not going to put Chandler in a position, you know, maybe if the guy's a senior and this is it for him and that's all he's got left, but you know, you put him in a position where you got there and you get him hurt for the long term, And that's, that's not good for him. That's not good for our team. So, uh, I said it from the beginning. We, we felt like we had two quarterbacks that could that could win football games for us, uh, and we're not gonna. We're certainly not gonna put one out there that's that that can't play the game the way it needs to be played. Because I think for Chandler, he's got to be able to use his legs. He's got to be able to run the football uh, to be effective in the pass game too. I, I think it, he's a better player when he's got everything kind of going in the right direction, and he's got all all of his tools at his disposal and. I think if he's one-dimensional, I don't think that that's a good thing for him. I don't think that sets him up for success. There it is. Those are the exact quotes. Make of it what you will. Bottom of the hour. Phone lines are open, 337-269-1077. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Good morning, Scott. How are you? I'm okay, sir. How are you? I'm great. I'm calling you from Metairie. I'm listening to you over the internet. I've been trying to, to tune in early on Mondays to catch Coach Des and you. 
most of your questions are this is not a criticism, it's an observation, but it's it's about philosophy. I wish you'd spend a little more time on particulars of the game. Um, at least you did ask him about why he 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 ran no clock on on the on the last portion of the game and called a timeout. <clears throat> he he thought maybe he'd have a better opportunity to win in regulation. I don't agree with him, but at least at least it shows what his thought process was. I also wish you'd ask him why he was in a prevent defense, rushing three. It's inevitably is a prevents you from winning. It, it, I've seen it with the Saints. I've seen it with the Cajuns. It's it's disgusting to rush three guys. We know the best way to screw a quarterback up is to mess with him where he's not comfortable. And, of course, we we can talk about how we nearly got the ball. Well, it nearly isn't going to cut it. you got to make sure that we don't come close to having a completion. And, you know, if they make a completion, that would be better. And the second thing I want to take up with you is when you get Dr. Magadon, perhaps we need somebody who is the czar of Cajun Athletic and Brandon instead of an athletic director because, you know, it's not my fault that we don't have the right uh, paraphernalia in the bookstores. Uh, it's not my fault that we got too many uh, fans trying to get in the, in the gate and people saying to them, gee, you should have got here early, which is as stupid a thing as you can ever say to a customer. And finally, we need triple the amount of people selling stuff in the stadium and triple the number of people scanning because you cannot have these kind of lines that I've seen ever since I've gone to the Cajun Dome 30 years ago. It's just ridiculous. Decade after decade, they don't have enough people to handle the crowds that they have or product oftentimes. And that's my rant. Now, I'd like you to give me, a, are you going to get to address possibly those things? We need a czar of athletics. Apparently, Dr. Maggot can't, can't cover this because it's not his responsibility. Can't cover that. You know, it's on and on about how we got a maze of people and nobody's responsible. Well, I mean, you're you're frustrated uh, by czar. You you want me to put in a request to interview the the university president? Is that what you're? Is that what you're asking? Well, I really need somebody who who the fans can say, "Oh, uh, Mister X, Doctor X, this didn't happen." Well, listen, Why? I I think I think your frustration comes from you don't, and I'm not not telling you how you should or shouldn't feel. I think your frustration comes from the answers are not what you want. Um, but I don't know that, you know, talking to someone else is going to change that or anything. I mean, I, 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 I don't, can't, I, I don't mean, think anybody knows who to talk to, to be honest with you. The general fan doesn't, who's frustrated, uh, doesn't know who to talk to. Well, I would, I would, have you, have you reached out to Dr. Maggard? Have you reached out to him directly? Have you talked to him directly yourself? You know, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, I haven't been able to go to the games much in the last uh, decade because some some separate issues. I get to watch them on TV. Uh, 
and a friend of mine got me to the uh, to the stadium this weekend. I had no problems, but when I when I see all the problems that other people had, okay. So this is this comfort. is this is your your response, and I'm not I'm not just asking. So you're you are asking questions that you see from some that are complaining, and you're sort of putting them out. No, that's, that's I would, what I would say. I would say they're complaining, except. What they're complaining about is real. Excessive. I'm not. Wine. I'm not. I'm not suggesting. Listen, yeah, I'm not. You don't need to get defensive. I'm not suggesting. I, I'm not just. I'm not suggesting I'm not, that it's what, that that those that those issues aren't aren't real or aren't based in reality. I'm just just getting your perspective. I would tell you that, you know, reach out to him directly. I'm I'm sure he would respond. Well, reach out to him directly. You asked him the question and, and, and last week, and, and it just. It sounded to me like you know he's in agreement with the fans, but there's nothing he can do. Well, if, if you, I can, I can, I can follow up more, but you can as well. Uh, if I don't like to get in an argument with my uh, <laughs> my athletic director, believe me, it would it would it would spin south fast. <laughs> well, okay. I, I think I think I think he does have. I'll say this about Doctor Maggard. I find that his door is way more open than the previous AD's doors ever were. In fact, they were usually shut. Um, I don't think he would get offended. I think he would listen. I think he would respond, and I think you'd be able to get, you know, maybe more specific things that you're curious about. Maybe you like the answers. Maybe you don't. But I would I would invite you to reach out to him directly. I think it would be okay. What do you think about that? Finally, I, I, I will try to get Dr. Maggot at some yeah. point in the next few days. What do you think, personally, as a fan of the prevent defense? Do you think I'm off base on that, or what? I think I think the I think prevent defense can be extremely frustrating whenever um, you know teams dissect it. I think it's I think it's very frustrating. I think um, I think we so yes, I think it's frustrating when it when it doesn't do its job. Uh, I think on the flip side, when teams do get too aggressive and they get burnt deep, they get they get ripped too. Um, you know, I do think uh, you, you get pressure on the quarterback that, and, and you win the battle. It works out well, but you know, there's some there's some there's some flip side to it too. I mean, I remember going totally off base here. I'm just using a game from history that doesn't even involve you. Well, I remember a crazy LSU Oregon State game in 2004. It was the season opener. Uh, LSU was coming off a national championship. They had all this hype, you know, and um, it was months. It was crazy. Anyway, Beavers had a pretty, you know, they they had a lead pretty much the whole game. They were playing well, and, um, you know, all they had to do was kind of get that clock to go down, and they were way too aggressive, and it was kind of the opposite happened, and they, they weren't. They weren't really playing prevent, and LSU hit them for some big plays, and Oregon State missed a bunch of extra points, and LSU ended up winning this wild game. But my, I guess my only point is I've, I've seen, that's one example, but I've seen the opposite thing happen as well. So I think frustration, you know, happens when your favorite team that you root for loses, and there's various reasons why. And whenever, um, you know, uh, that you believe that, that prevent defense is one of those reasons, I think that's where it comes from. I mean, I get it. I get it, but I've seen the other side of it too. Yeah, I've seen the other side too. The Saints uh, blew it, blew it against uh, the Vikings a few years back. Oh, the, the the guy misses a, an easy tackle instead, but but for the most part, it's the opposite. He makes that tackle. Most part, 
if we'd have just rushed four instead of three at the last, I think I think we would not have had those yeah. completions. Maybe that's my opinion. It, does, it, it, it it's going to be my opinion on virtually every game. <laughs> so Scott, you're doing a nice hey, job. Hey man, overall. look, I, I appreciate I, I, you I calling. No, like no. Hey, look, I'm not. I, you don't bother me, man. You're welcome to call anytime. Adios, buddy. All right, man. Thank you. Let's head back to the phone lines. I Again, before I do, though, I would advise you, you know, there there are a lot of different layers to it. You know, as Dr. Maggard said, they're working on it, they're looking into it, but when you have a contract with someone that's now in charge of your merchandise, on one hand, the good thing is they write you a big check to do it. The negative is you lose some control on that. It's a give or take. You expect your partner to do more. They don't. You know, I don't, I don't know that it's a blame game as much as it's just a reality of the situation. Now, if you want to blame them for doing that and not, you know, for basically farming out that job and getting a big check from it instead of doing it all in-house, but I don't, I don't know how difficult that would be to do in-house, honestly. But if you want some more specifics about things like that, reach out to him. His office number, his email, it's all online. It's all online. But I... I at the same time, if anyone ever wants to call and, you know, critique or, 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 or fume or be angry or be upset about something, I'm not going to tell you you can't be or you shouldn't or whatever. It's how you feel. Absolutely. Now, if you start going on long rants about conspiracies and things like that, then maybe, you know, maybe I might cut you off. ESPN Lafayette. Uh, excuse me, not ESPN Lafayette. It's going to take me a little while to get used to that. One other three, the GOAT. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hey, Scott. Good morning. Hey, it's Coach. Good Coach. morning. Coach Mitch, how yeah. are you? I'm doing fine. And yourself? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm doing all right. I was, it wasn't a great weekend in sports for me, Coach. But you know what? It's just, okay. it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, you, you know what I did to uh, help me out? I ate gumbo. That's a good idea. You know what? I need. That's a good idea. I did. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. I think. I think I'm gonna get some gumbo for lunch today. Thank you. It's good. It's a great idea. Yes, and, and I'll tell you what. It, it it took care of all the things that was irking me. Scott, I want to say this to us all, and you know, because we are all in love with like our sport teams, our local sports team, and all that. And I want to just remind us because we're, we're we're passionate. And we are informed, and we know the game. But let's not forget, y'all, that the opponents that we play on the gridiron, they are practicing (laughs) daily just as our team is, and they are fine-tuning themselves as a team Mm -hmm. at each and every position Mm -hmm. as our team does. (laughs) And on the day of the game, it's like, just imagine the best against the best. And every play, every play or every snap of the ball, everybody got to be perfect. Now, guys, we know that none of us in this life, in this world, perfect. But that's what our expectations have become. We, we look for the perfectness all the time. And they try. I got guys. Those guys are giving y'all everything that they have within them. But that doesn't mean that they'll execute every play to the 
perfection that the coach would want it. So what I'm really saying to y'all is this. Football. I'm, we're talking football. Football is a game where you have to be in condition so that you can execute these plays at the level, which is 100%. And when, when that doesn't happen, then the opposite effects happen. And that's a result of no game or no productivity. No points, no touchdowns. Fans are not happy. Guys, that's not my Coach Mike DeZormo. Coach DeZormo and his staff, in my opinion, they are doing what they were hired to do. And they're doing it at the level that I'm pleased with. Yes, I am, because I understand well, this thing. Re- uh, respectfully, Coach, if, if I can jump in. I mean, they're, yes, they're, they're, they're not. I mean, he would tell you that. And that's respectful. They're not. Yes, they're not. I mean, he would tell you that. They've lost three games in a row. I mean, he, that's not – That's they're, they're hired to win games. I no, get no, they're no. not going to win every one of them, but – I, I, they're working. They're working hard. They're not. They're not being lazy about it. But to say that yeah, they're doing yeah, it right. at the the you know the level they were hired to do. I mean, they're not. They're not. They're not. They were. wasn't. Okay. Now, they weren't. They weren't. They're not hired my, to lose at ULM. I mean, they're not. Correct. Now watch. Now, now I'm glad you brought that up. And here's the point. You see, coaches don't play football, and they can't get on the gridiron. All they can do is master the X and O's, and, 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 and show the players what you're going to face on them and come up with oh. the best strategic mm-hmm. strategy yeah. to uh, overcome the opponent on that day. Right. But the bottom line is, if those athletes don't go out there and do it, 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 it just don't get done. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you again, in my, my opinion. Yes, sir. Coach Mike and Coach Vietor and Coach Leijay and them, I know these guys. I know them guys so, so much that I could almost be in each one of their families. And I'm going to say this about them. Guys, stop panicking because you went play Rice. Rice is them. they good over there. You went, you went play ULM. Let me say something about ULM. Mm. ULM played Alabama, and some people call it the money game. They went play another school earlier. I forgot who it was, They're and you had somebody, and that was another money good. game. They're not well, good, and then they, they knew UL was coming up the pipeline. They're not That's good. their rival. You don't think that they're going to bring their A game? Let's, well, let's, let's, just, just, let's just agree on this, Coach, because I'm up against yeah, the break. Please. I I, yes. I know all those guys personally. I'm rooting for them as well. I mean, that's one thing yes. I can agree with you on, and I appreciate and the guys, call, Thank Coach. you so much on y'all radio station and everything. Right. Thank you, and, and, guys, the Sunbelt Conference, has become a highly respectful conference. We don't have no, we don't have no weak teams in here no more, guys. If you don't, if you're not ready on Saturday, all right, all right Mitch. Thank you. Thank Y'all you have coach. a good day. All right, all right. God bless you. God bless you. Um, they're not doing right now what they were hired to do. They were hired to win football games. Doesn't mean they're not trying. Doesn't mean they're not working their tails off. Um, I would say not to give up on the team. I would, you know, absolutely. But I, I, you know, I can't, can't agree with you that they're every, you know, you should be pleased with the level right now. I know they're not at all. They're not, but thank you, coach. Love when coach, you know, gets into the essence of football.
or the basics or, you know, word it how you like. Good to hear from Coach again. I mean, he called last week, and we ha- I hadn't heard from him in like a year. And I mean it. I was, I was genuinely worried uh, about him. And so it was great to hear from him. It's great to hear from him. You'll hear from Andy Dalton next on 103.3 The Goat. Greatest sports talk of all time. If it wasn't for goats, we wouldn't have coffee. Look it up. I'm going to get some coffee. You want some coffee? No, thank you. I'm fine. And the best sports talk in Acadiana. 103.3 The Goat. I hope all of you had some coffee this morning. You probably needed it. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Maybe you drank some yesterday to get ready for an early kickoff central time. Saints, Vikings, London. And it's hard for me to enjoy any football the rest of the day yesterday. After the Saints lost that game. And on top of that, you know, I even watched the game last night. I figured, oh, you know, biggest regular season game in years for the Mets. But they're playing the Braves. They'll probably Mets it up. And they did, of course. Oh, okay. I guess they're going to be hosting a wild card. Yay. Andy Dalton hadn't really even talked about the quarterback play yesterday. Uh, he was fine. He was Andy Dalton. A couple of good throws. Um, well, a number of good throws. You know, move the ball a little bit here and there. Not really shifty in the pocket. Get him under pressure. Not good. Had a few throws where the defenders dropped the ball, but uh, it was what it was. You know, if you cannot just have a bunch of penalties, maybe you can win some games with him. Couldn't get it done yesterday, though. Here was Andy Dalton after the game. Uh, Andy, how did, how did it feel out there? Um, the offense, you know, in and out of the huddle, how did it feel? It felt good. It felt like I operated the offense really well, and I felt like we played well. And I think at the end of the day, the two turnovers decided the factor in this game. And it's tough because you go back and look at this game and feel like you played really well and you can go back and look at it and say, man, if I could just have one play back. But that's that's kind of the story of this thing. Um, so it's tough. Um, but I, I thought we we definitely did some good things out there. What what happened on the fumble? In, in your just got hit and it came out. You know, I felt like I had it tucked away, but it, you know, it, it, it came out. You guys obviously did bounce back and put a lot of good drives together, but when you guys come out on the first drive and, again, kind of go backwards a couple of times with those, I mean, I'm sure you harped on that all week. Was that a frustrating way to start the game? Yeah, you know, then you have the conversion, but then they call the illegal man downfield. I mean, that's it's, – it's close. we got, we got to make sure that we're not, we're not down the field. Um, then put ourselves in a, a, a tough situation. Um, but we, we can't keep hurting ourselves. I thought he played great. Um, he gave us a chance to to win at the end, and Chris is so talented, and you know we expect big things from him. Final kick was going through. I did. I thought it had the distance, and even once it hit the crossbar, I was like, "Oh, it's going to bounce, bounce back through," and. 
unfortunately didn't. What was the, the uh, I guess, that last drive? You, you don't have much time. you got to get the ball down the field. You've got to take us through what you're all trying to get done. I know you're trying to get the field goal range, obviously. But how difficult is that? Yeah, we were just trying to get a chunk play to start it, and we did. It's a great catch by Chris. Um, and then, you know, we've got to find a way to get just a couple more yards to make that field goal easier. And so it's something that we can go back and look at and see if there's anything that we can do differently. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're just trying to get get a chunk play to even give yourself a chance. And you guys had a lot of drives where you got in the third and short situations and converted and put those – I mean, was that something that was by design where, where you were willing to use all three downs and, and try to do that, you know, four or five-yard plays? Because I know that had been a little elusive this season. Yeah, I think when you look at – especially the way this defense plays was much too high safeties, try to keep everything in front of you. Um, you know, that's kind of how they want to play this game. And for us, you can't get bored being in those situations. And you got to convert on those third downs and um, keep the drives alive. So I think that's, uh, you know, at times, and you look at the, the drives that we were able to score on, and we were able to do that. Yeah, and in those drives that you did score, it looked like there was a good balance of run and pass, and it's particularly in the run game. You didn't have Alvin today, but you think of Latavius and, and Mark running the ball and giving you guys balance on those drives. Yeah, yeah I thought they, they did a great job, and um, you know, our, our line um, given the opportunity out there. And so, I mean, that's, that's how this game works. Um, next guy steps up, and I, I thought those guys played really well. Dennis earlier said he thought you all were close to kind of turn this thing around. How do you feel where, where, where the team's standing? We are. I, I think, I mean, we haven't been out of any game that we played. And it's come down to one or two plays, and we've got to find a way to make those plays that allow us to win and not make the plays that, that hurt us. And... Um, Looking at today, I said it from the beginning, the two turnovers and six points, that completely changes the, the way the, the flow of this game goes. And, you know, that's starts with me. Can't turn the ball over, Andy. Tomorrow on the show, Norman Locke, who I'm sure will uh, have plenty to say to make me angry and upset, but he'll have his chance. Plus, Jay Walker in the 8 o'clock hour in studio. The Dan Patrick Show's next. This is 103.3 The Goats.